Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to the episode. Traditional energy retailers are having to evolve fast to drive the energy transition. And a big part of this evolution is launching new and innovative services and propositions around new energy. Very different from selling kilowatt hours to to customers. And it's a hard journey for them. How do energy retailers improve the chances of success when launching a new proposition? Because to be frank, a lot of new propositions don't take off like retailers would hope. So today we're looking at uh, this topic, talking with an energy retailer from Estonia and looking at their experience of developing new propositions and business models, specifically in the heating market, which is an area we think is ripe for change and disruption. So let's say hello to my guests. First, um, Evert Eero, who's product development manager at Estonia Energy or Eesti Energia in Estonian, I guess, Evert. Um, hello, welcome to the podcast. Hey, John, how are you? Good, thanks. Uh, excited to uh, explore your experience in developing new products and services in Estonia. So, yeah, can you give us a very uh, quick introduction to Estonia Energy. I'll go with a safe English pronunciation rather than attempt the Estonian one. Uh, who you are, what you do. Sure, sure. Uh, so first of all, thank you for having me. I have been an active listener of Delta and um, you're providing lots of valuable insights. Um, Estonian Energy is basically an international customer-centric uh, utility. Uh, we operate in five countries, from Finland uh, all the way to Poland. Mm-hmm. And our number one ambition is actually to provide uh, useful and uh, convenient uh, energy solutions to our customers. So basically, I have been working in a product development uh, field uh, for different customer-centric services. And from solar panels, insurance, uh, lighting as a service, smart home, heating, data desegregation from all different fields. So, okay. yeah, it's been a cool ride. Great. Um, I don't know how many listeners we have in Estonia beyond, uh, obviously, you, Evert, but uh, and I don't know how many of our listeners outside of Estonia know about Estonia. Um, obviously, it's famous for being the, the home of Skype uh many many years ago but can you give us a quick uh you know a few cool facts or uh points that will help our listeners uh get to know estonia a bit more yeah sure it's always good to hear where someone is saying that you have such a cool innovative country um we have uh, 1.3 million people and uh, as you said skype was our first uh, successful tech uh, company um, today we already have seven successful unicorns uh, you might know some companies called wise who is doing money transfers internationally or pipe drive so there's many different uh, companies out there already 
And um, what we are seeing at the moment is that the speed is accelerating. We are getting more knowledge how to build those products and services and people are more eager to, eager to learn. And since we have those investments and understanding how to build companies, it's getting even better next year's. Yeah, okay. So it's almost like a, a snowball rolling downhill. It's getting bigger. The ecosystem, the people involved at Skype are now doing different things. Um, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I haven't visited Estonia. I'd love to visit it one day. Uh, um, let's say hello to my second guest today, uh, colleague Lindsay Sugden. Hello, Lindsay. Hi, John. Nice thanks to be for here. thanks for joining the podcast again. So, um, Lindsay, you've been on the podcast before talking about heat. Um, the theme of this podcast is new propositions and business models. Um, why is that so important? In it's important in many aspects of the energy transition, but why do you think it's so important specifically with regard to heat? Well, I think it's becoming clearer and clearer that decarbonizing heat in existing buildings is a critical part of the uh, energy transition puzzle. It's it's critical to meeting government targets on decarbonization, etc. And um, but it's notoriously difficult to make that transition happen in the heating market um customers are really attached to their traditional heating systems um often gas boilers um low carbon heating systems are generally more expensive customers are a bit unsure about them um don't always trust them even even when they're you know like uh, heat pumps and mature technology yet um people are it's still different and new yeah. yeah yeah people don't understand um, them they're not familiar yeah. with them yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so there's a real need for innovative propositions that can take some of that risk away from the customer, take some of the uncertainty away, and also um, tackle the upfront cost uh, issue as well. Yeah. Um, so heat as a service mm-hmm. is an example of that, or different yeah, elements yeah. of heat as a service. There's a whole, yeah, there's a whole range of different uh, heat as a service is like at one end of the spectrum but there's a whole range in between of different ways that you can you can tackle some of these challenges um so it's definitely there's they've been trying to decarbonize heat in existing buildings for years and the progress is so slow something it can't continue kind of incrementally something a bit more dramatic needs to happen i think and innovative business models this is one um important well, element i think <laughs> we're recording this in the last days of cop 26 and yeah, I think, yeah. uh, if we're to that i think coming up cop 26 is the need to accelerate dramatically what we're doing exactly. uh, and that is more true for heat i would say than uh, than anything else yeah it's uh, it's time for a paradigm shift not just a <laughs> yeah continuation um so ever let's talk about heat in a minute but first of all I'd like to understand your approach to develop to innovation and developing new propositions and business models for customers. Because I said in my introduction, um, the energy sector has not been very good at that. That's a bit of a generalization, but I stand by that. Um, you've already mentioned customer centric once, which was in your introduction. Great to hear. But tell us a bit about how how your company approaches this area this topic? Mm -hmm. It's a great question, actually, because 
Without my six years of experience working in energy field, I have seen both failure and success. Um, mm. More failure, to be honest. And if you look at the statistics, then 80% of new products and services will fail on the market anyway. Uh, so it's uh, Nielsen Research have done it, and it's just a fact. And, um, you know, you can even have like a super team, super competitive, uh, you know, researchers, developers, you might have a money to do it. But uh, what happens is that once you launch the business, um, you will, it probably is that you will see that it will fail. So uh, what we found out is that uh, the only way how you can succeed in a way like Amazon or Facebook or Netflix are doing is that uh, you need to test as many ideas as possible, because if you're putting out as much uh, information or as, as many tests as possible, then you're increasing the probability of being successful to find out those golden nuggets. So those, those tests ever, are you talking about sort of theoretical things, research, or the more a minimum viable product and actually getting an offer in the market? What do you mean by test? Yeah. So um, what we uh, we have in Estenerga, we have... We have um, uh, in-house accelerator is called um, Idea Hub, where we are first of all gathering all those different um, ideas. Uh, we are also working together with uh, universities and investors to work through those ideas. But when we talk about testing, then there are so many different uh, principles and solutions out there how you can test. And what I personally found out that has worked the best is um, methodology that uh, came from ex-Google employee. It's called Alberto Savoia, and he calls it uh, prototyping. So what it means is that you're basically building a first level of the service or solution that you have, and you show it to your customers right away. And then you're measuring the data, what customers do, not what they say. So it's not just that doing research, it's more showing the end product for a customer as fastly, as quickly as possible, and then measuring the results. Okay. Um, how? What's your journey been like in terms of reaching the point where you're at now? Have you been using this methodology for years? Have you have you had lots of failures, and that's caused you to scratch your heads and work out how can we do this better? Give us the feeling of that. Yeah, it's it's a good question because uh, I first uh, my my biggest failure was probably related with the smart home topics, and I know lots of utilities have been struggling uh, with the smart home uh, in this field, and and the biggest challenge in the beginning was definitely how to convince your marketing team and your other team members to show something for the customers that is not even ready yet. So because yeah. you have a brand, uh, you know, you don't want to just show something and then not deliver it. But um, how we have um, overcome the idea is that uh, basically if customers don't want to buy your service or solution, they don't, they don't even care um, if you have it if or if you don't have it. Because if you're showing something that they are super interested in, then they are willing to wait as well. So I remember I was uh, recently doing a test for heat pump as a rent uh, service and uh, we did the same approach. Um, and basically what customers were saying when I called them just to understand that, why, why did you sign up? They were like, yeah, yeah, I saw it was test because we were showing at the end of the, uh, test that it, it was just a test. Apologies for that, but you will get 20% yeah. discount once you order it. And customers were like, yeah, yeah, I saw it, but when can I have it? So it's actually night worse. So you shouldn't be afraid, uh, that it's not ready yet. It's more like uh, getting really good data. Otherwise, you would just save money. Uh, you will spend too much time, too much money, resources to build something that customers don't okay. ever buy. And was it hard to convince your colleagues internally? You mentioned that earlier. So 
how much resi resistance has there been to that methodology? No, we've got to have it already. We can't just say it's a trial at the end. We've got to, if someone signs up, we've got to be able to do it straight away. Is that hard or have people really embraced that? Of course, it was hard in the beginning, but there are different tricks and hacks what you can do. Uh, so one example could be that, uh, for example, if you have a huge customer base, you don't have to send it to everyone right away. For mathematically, if you're sending out email to, for example, 100 customers, it's more than enough to have a relevant yeah. uh, data to get it. Yeah. Or if you're doing social media campaigns to drive customers to your uh, fake website, it, it's more than enough. So so it's, it's hard in the beginning, but yeah. uh, you're saving so much time, money and effort and people actually later on, if they see that it really works, they're more willing to work with you and bring those uh, solutions to the market. So it, it's a super approach in that sense. Now I want to know what this customer said about the, the heat pump rental. So why did they sign up for a heat pump rental? Or do you think heat pump, the idea of renting a heat pump, is that something that tested well? Or what did what have you learned from that test? Uh, yeah, so when we're talking about a heat pump rental, then usually people who haven't purchased any heat pump before, they are completely lost. They don't know what it is, how is the installation, what is the maintenance, so what happens after two years if I have any problems, and there are so many questions people have. Mm. And uh, while we were doing the testing, um, we found out different, um, basically different ideas what people need and how to approach it. Uh, for example, one thing was that on our side, we wanted to reduce our risk, so we wanted to ask installation costs before having this monthly subscription uh, for okay. a heat pump. But customers were saying that, no, 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 I don't want to you know, pay, for example, 400 euros uh, to have the heat pump with monthly fee uh, with 50 euros. We should, we would, would like to have it if it's included in the price. So they, want everything, they want that 400 included in the monthly subscription yeah, exactly. with no upfront cost. Exactly, yep. exactly. Yep. So we included it in the price and um, we were saying for the customers that, you know, if you opt out uh, from our deal before some X period, then you will pay the installation. So yep. it's equal on both sides. So yep. and it, it worked really well in that sense. Yeah. And are you doing that? Have you, is that now a an offering you've rolled out to your whole customer base or is that still in development? Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, up there. We launched it in the summer, uh, and uh, first we were predicting uh, to get approximately five percent uh, conversion. Um, so from the total sale, I remember from Delta EE materials as well that you were predicting that approximately five percent of customers yeah. will be interested. But what we have seen is that uh, it's already over twenty percent of customers uh, who are signing up for the rent service. And in that case, it's, it has been super successful and uh, we, are ha we are having more thoughts and ideas how to even yeah. extend it to other products as well. well that's good to hear. Um, Lindsay, from looking across Europe, if we stick on heat pumps for the moment and heat pump rental or uh, heat, heating as a service, these sort of offerings, how, how would you characterize in general? Is, what the market's doing is what Everts talked about quite unique. Is it, uh, are there others that are already getting also getting the similar sort of success with this offering? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's more and more examples of companies offering these kind of, uh, customer propositions around heat pumps. But I would say, if you look at the whole heating market, um, the majority of players who are testing, um, heaters as service type models, they're doing with gas boilers uh, to begin with so you know the number of uh, gas boilers that are installed on these kind of 
contract is, is orders of magnitude higher than, than the numbers uh, with heat pumps. But we're seeing that a lot of the companies who are starting off on the boiler side, so um, yes, yeah, so Thermond, of, um, for example, uh, Violin in Germany, um, they're starting to go into heat pumps as well. But it's like once, I think that the, yeah, or the key point is that once you've got the customer on board with some kind of contract where they have to pay some monthly fee for, be it to rent the heat pump or, um, yeah, or, or full kind of heat as a service, once you've got them on a, on a monthly fee, then you can change the heating system from a gas boiler to a heat pump. You can kind of decouple that relationship between the end user and what the heating system actually is it's, and it becomes a relationship between the customer and the and the heat it doesn't matter where it comes from um so we are starting to see that transition um from some companies and then uh, you know the best example of where heat pumps themselves have, have become more rolled out in this way is in Denmark um where there's been a focus on testing innovative propositions of different kinds of uh, business models going back to yeah five years or so um starting with like government demonstration projects and and so on um but now you know most of the big energy companies are doing this it's quite normal um it's advertised everywhere Um, it's it's funny when i talk to um people in the market about these uh, type of rental offerings or heaters of service offerings i always get two questions and ever i'm going to ask you how you handle these questions uh one question is yeah but it will have to be a 10 or 15 year contract and no one wants to sign up to a contract that long and then uh second the risk you know if it's our heat pump and we're putting it in someone home someone's home what happens if they stop paying uh you know we can't have our asset in people's homes uh in this kind of way where it's not easy to to remove or or manage that risk so how have you how have you got around those two challenges or what's your thinking on them mm-hmm. great question um there's basically different ways how you can handle it uh, when we talk about the first uh, question that you had like to, for having a long-term contract mm. so for example if we are selling uh, solar panels uh, with the ppa models then we are having even contracts up to 25 years so this hasn't been a big issue for us. Um, When we talk about heat pumps, um, then um, we have a policy in our contract for the customers that they can uh, opt out with one month notice. And with financially, uh, we have calculated uh, to have a small fee uh, so that they have to pay for us. And uh, we know that we can use the same heat pump and install it in in some other locations. So um, you have to do a little bit of a financial calculating uh, to understand uh, how do you price it and how do you do it. And it also comes hand in hand with the other question that you had is that uh, how do you make sure that those devices are there and there are no issues and problems. One way how we have um, handled it is that we have um, we're doing uh, yearly maintenance definitely for the devices and we have also a insurance policy behind it so we made a deal with the insurance company who is covering up those devices and this monthly fee is uh, quite small in that case because we are planning to sell them as much as possible yeah so of course there are risks uh, this is true uh, but at the same time 
Um, uh, why I really like uh, the information that I have found from Delta EE as well is that if we are sharing this knowledge between different utilities and different companies who are providing such service, then we start getting more data. You know, how does devices operate? Uh, yeah. What are the customer segments? What are the biggest faults or problems? And if you're willing to take the risk as a utility or as a service provider, then the payback is much, much bigger, better. Because um, if you look about the profits uh, for those devices that you're offering, there are two to three times even higher than if you would sell them as a turnkey solution yeah so the return is higher of course there's a little bit of risk but it's definitely worth doing it can i ask you about risk because um if i characterize the energy sector very simply from old energy to new energy old energy uh old energy companies were used to de-risking everything Hmm. Uh, they didn't want to take risk their um companies shares were seen as low risk steady return companies in new energy what you've talked about is not knowing everything putting something quickly in the market uh even when you get the rea- that reaction you don't know how many customers will say hey i'm going to cancel after six months um how does your company think about risk or has that been a hard journey you've seen within your company to take more uh- risk? Yeah. yeah, well, we are a big corporation and um, we have a risk policies and everything and we have to be sure that we minimize the risks. Um, what I have found out what works the best is that uh, data beats uh, opinion. So there are so many smart people out there saying that you have a disk risk, another risk and third risk, even if you're building a new uh, service or solution. But you can minimize the risk uh, or even sell your idea once you have a data to back it up. So then we come back to the validating and uh, offering your service for customers. For example, if you're doing those preliminary tests and what we also do, we have a XYZ hypothesis in those tests. So we are saying that, um, for example, 5% of um, you know middle-aged men will buy this hip pump service with, I don't know, 40, 50 euros a month. Yep. And we have really specific uh, set numbers there. Those comes uh, from those financial models. And if we exceed those results from those tests that we have set before doing the test, then we have a solid data to show uh, first to those decision makers, for example, on the C-level, there's a big interest. We also yep. calculate what are those costs and risks. And if they see both sides, you know, the benefit and risks, then mm. it's, it's it's possible to do it. So, of okay, course, so yeah. some of those risks, like the risk of people cancelling, you'll only get that data. That how many people cancel within three years? You'll only get that in three years. Yeah. So there's still you can get a certain amount of data, but I like what you just said about that balance of the reward, the benefit, and the risk. It's almost accepting you're not going to know everything uh, for some years, but if you believe enough in the opportunity. So I like the data, but not opinion, but there is also some belief in there, isn't there? Yeah, of course, of course. And also for the product managers, for them to pitch the idea in a way that it should work. Yeah. Um, and one thing I didn't mention is that we also have a customer's data, how well they have behaved uh, while uh, buying electricity, for example, or okay. gas from us. So we know this historical data that they didn't have any debts, for example, for a few years. Or if yeah. they're buying some other services from us, for example, EV chargers or solar panels, then yeah. we know as well that their financial background is good enough to do the rent. Yeah, okay. So, and there's third-party data also that yeah, you get exactly. as well to, to blend together. Mm-hmm. Um, Lindsay, how do you see the heating sector thinking about these risks? Do you Was I a bit unfair in characterizing it? Oh, but there's so many risks. It's so too hard to do. You know, we want to lock in all the returns. 
or do you think actually the heating set is now starting to uh, experiment and develop in the way Everett's described they're doing? Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's very different depending on the type of company and and the scale of the company. You know, some of the big the big uh, energy companies, the biggest ones in in Europe, they're quite slow moving. Um, sometimes the challenge with launching some of these kinds of models has been that they can't prove their success fast enough. They don't they they don't get enough time to to test um before they you know a decision is made from the top well you're not making enough money fast enough so we can't uh, go ahead with that i think what's changed in the last few years is that there's been new kind of startups and other companies coming from other backgrounds who are coming in and competing uh, in the same space and that's forcing those larger slower moving companies to actually think hey we've got to do something differently otherwise we're we're going to lose out now um, and that's the real difference from like five years ago. Yeah. Um, and so, and it's companies coming from outside of energy altogether, or it's it's heating companies, manufacturers, for example, becoming service providers. Like a company like Wiesmann is probably is a good example. You, you can buy gas from from them now. Um, yeah. And then you've got startups, um, or you know, companies like uh, Thermondo as a. Mm. Um, kind of disruptive uh, one or yeah there's, there's a lot of different examples of new small companies who are gathering a lot of investment um, have a really innovative and really customer focused approach and they're taking more risk um, yeah they don't always succeed but they're um, they're paving the way and I think yeah. it, it's forcing change Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, so exactly what you said, what we should see in the future, or at least I hope, is that once utilities and startups start working together, so startups yeah. can be super fast, but utilities have the customer base. So if if you could combine them in a smartest way, then you can see lots of, you know, good things happening. Ever last question before we uh, bring up the Talking New Energy Crystal Ball. So what's... You're applying this innovation uh, to heat pumps, but to many things. You mentioned EV chargers, solar panels, lots more. What's your your biggest challenge or the hardest thing in your job to really transform the way that you provide customers with services? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. You know, anyone who has worked as a product manager uh, probably knows that they have to work together with IT, from marketing teams, uh, processes, operations, customer support, and others. So, um, so the hard thing is that you have to think in a strategic level and what you will do in five years' time. But at the same time, daily, you have to solve customer problems if they have any issues with their heat pump uh, or whatsoever. So... Um, I think the hardest thing is to, uh, if you're, if you're definitely, if you're developing a new services, to have this data on the table. Uh, so once you're making decisions or presenting it, uh, you have packed it up in a way that is convincing for the others. Yeah. So uh, and I guess the best way to do it is to do it with your own own data and also back it up with other data, and then you can succeed as well. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I think taking away that. Use as much data as you can to make yeah. the case. There's always some belief there, but try and take as much of the opinion out of exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And also, there's a two parts actually. One is your own data, and what is data from the others. So, for example, yeah. I have read of 
Uh, I love Delta reports and there's lots of valuable data, but at the same time, I have to be sure that in our markets uh, work the same way. So yeah. uh, with every utility, they should test it out as well, how it works in yeah. in their own, own country. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, your, your passion and excitement for what you do come through very clearly, Ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, let's bring up the talking to you energy crystal ball now and i'm going to set the dial this week to 2026 five years time um and the question will be let's make it specific to heat as that's what we've been talking about um ever what do you think it's a question to you what do you think you'll be most proud of in five years time if you're looking back on the next five years just so to speak with regard to your your heat pump or heating offers and question for Lindsay, I guess more of an industry perspective on that. So what do you think the industry will look back on in terms of selling heating in more of a service type approach in the way Everett's described for Estonia? So mm-hmm. Ever, you first. What what will you be most proud of? What would you like to be most proud of in five years' time? Yeah, I remember five years ago, um, we were just having PowerPoints and slides showing that, you know, in the future, we have all those cool, fancy services. Today, we are in a position of having all the services. So the next thing, uh, I believe, at least in five years, should be that we will start bundling uh, those different services together. Mm. So, for example, if you're building a house, you could get uh, all those services from one energy utility. For example, you could get the heat pump, you could get the solar panels, uh, EV charger, and you have a home energy management solution that is combining together all the services that you have and that helps you to make those decisions uh, so you could save energy Um, and in five years time um, it looks like a long period but in utility wise actually it's quite short but if you think about the customer centric products there's lots of things that you can do so I, I hope that we have tested as many ideas as possible and with those testing we have figured out what are those products and services that bring as much value uh, to the customers as possible. And having this value, I hope we have basically saved uh, lots of energy and also CO2 in that sense. So, you know, you could just save, I, I guess, uh, tens of thousands of CO2 uh, from atmosphere of having those services. So yeah. it's definitely, it's, it's hard. It's a cultural change a little bit for the customers as well. But if we provide them services or products that we already have out there it's uh, technically it's everything is already doable but now it's the question of having this mindset and culture for those customers to start using those services that will work in the background but at the same time they see some sort of a um you know statistics or reports mm. that shows that they have saved their energy yeah i guess in the key to that will be creating the right bundles for the right customers and we've seen in different industries like telecoms uh that bundling be quite effective yeah. of telecoms, broadband, mobile, TV. Uh, exactly. But in the energy sector, I think we're just at the very beginning of that learning curve on on how you bundle different energy services or products together. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, from an industry point of view, in the, the, the evolution from a pure product sale industry, which is what the heating industry largely is, to a industry that also has a big service element service proposition to it as well um what will what will we see in five years time or what what we look back on do you think yeah i think um i think in five years time there'll be a realization that 
the the concept of just selling products upfront, heating products, for example, um, only having the option of buying them upfront. I think this will be a dead concept. Of course, people will still want to buy things upfront, but I think everyone will realize that they need to have a range of different ways of buying heating products, all the way from buying upfront to renting to leasing to heat as a service to comfort as a service to you know bundling mm. um i think there'll be there'll be a shift in 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 customer centric thinking so that the the propositions are based around the customer rather than around the product um i think that's the change that people are starting to realize now maybe we need to test some new models um but i think in five years time or maybe I hope that people will look back and say, actually, this is, we have to do this in order to make money. Um, it's not just uh, testing new services, but it's actually a way to find new revenue streams. Yeah. Um, it will be something that will start to make commercial sense, like it's the only way to to, to go. So. Well, I, I really believe in that vision you've described, Lindsay, and what you're doing, Ever. Um, it's not a it's not a solution for every single customer. As you said, some will want to keep buying products. But if we're to decarbonize heat, decarbonize energy, a lot of the technology will be in customers' homes. A lot of the products have been customers' homes. And we urgently need to find those new ways to package that up in an attractive way. So companies can make money, but so we can reduce carbon emissions and be on the path to, well, hopefully 1.5 degrees maximum warming in the future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, well, time's got the better of us, so we'll call it a, a day there. Thanks very much, Everett, for joining and fascinating to hear about your work in uh, in Estonia and surrounding countries. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. And definitely keep innovating. And if, if you get stuck, hit me up in LinkedIn and somewhere. I can help you out. Uh, great. And uh, Lindsay, thanks for joining again, sharing your views. Yeah, thanks, John. Um, and thanks as always to everyone for, for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode and look forward to welcoming you back to episode two of the new series next week. Thanks and goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Mm-hmm.